Guys, today I've got a newly crowned IFBB Pro and the coach of the IFBB Pros, if you think about it. So I've got Dill and I've got Steph. Guys, thank you so much and thank you for wearing your Nutricon shirts. I'm clearly a bad ambassador for the brand, but welcome and thank you. Start off with Dill. What's up, bro? How's it, bro? Thanks for having us. Of course. Steph, bro, thanks for coming through. Thank you so much for inviting us, Jason. So, guys, let's get to it. Let's first start with... They'll start to my left. I actually remember chatting to you, seeing you at Broadacres Gym. And I always used to see you training there, PTing there. and We actually uh, smashed a few sessions together as well. Yeah, we did. Leading up for WFF 2015. Yes. So we both, you did WFF 2015. I did, yes. Okay. And that, what, what did you place then? I got third in that show. And you have put on some size, but you were still very big then, even for muscle model. I was um, probably about ten kilos up since then, though. I was about eighty-five on stage there. I think now we were close on 85, 95 on stage. Eighty-five. If you actually look back, you would say you weigh more than eighty-five. I think that's with competing. It is deceptive when the body fat's super low and the proportions are right. Yeah, hundred percent. He's got very big muscle bellies. Like you, you do get people like that who just, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's also because your joints, your joints yeah. are small. Yeah. And that does help create that illusion when your body fat is, you know, basically negative, your muscle is super full, then your joint, I mean, what size are you? Nine. Nine, at 95 kilograms. Most guys that are 95 kilograms on stage are probably going to be like a 10, 11. Yeah, yeah. exactly so, that. So Steph, you, you know, obviously Doe when I met then, I think I actually only met you for the first time last year, November, mm. December at the, the NPC show there. Mm. I've been a fan of yours for a long time. Like, I've always loved Thank your you, physique. Um, yeah, I've, I've always kind of maintained a bit of a lower profile. Um, I'm not as much part of the fitness industry, you know, like I kind of like stay out of the out of the the, the gang. Very much like me as well. Mm. Yeah. That's why me and Steph get along quite well. Mm. Yeah, it's just uh, like for me, um, South Africa is a very small, small little pond. So I feel like it's, it's a bit better to just kind of stay out of it a bit. Yeah, that's me. But there is a lot of politics and there's a bit of, you know, she did this, he did this, he said that, she said that. And, you know, when you are a coach, when you are an athlete, when you are someone that's just trying to do what they do because they love it, mm. you know, it kind of waters down your love for it when there's so much negativity around. And I think a lot of people go through that where they get in the industry, they try, you know, be part of the industry, be part of all the clicks and everything. And then slowly but surely you realize like this is actually quite toxic. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've experienced that as well Obviously being an athlete I have um, I have uh, been in that predicament Where you try and fit in with like the, the in crowd um, But for me Bodybuilding is a lot more than that I don't care how many followers I have Or how many likes I get um, For me it's something that I've always done Yeah I think that's you know You obviously mentioned You don't care about how many likes and stuff you know, you need to live your life that way, but then there also comes a point where you say, you know, oh, I, ne- I actually do need to post because of sponsors. I do need to do this. So that it's difficult waters to navigate in terms of, you know, what are my motives behind why I'm posting what I'm doing? Is, is it outside validation or is it just trying to build up an audience so that, yeah, you know, yeah. I can have my sponsor being happy with me? Yeah. So now you you guys only recently been working together. Correct. We started at February. Beginning. Yeah, February. Yeah. And how was the, you know, how much changes were you guys able to make since then? 
Oh yeah, he would probably need to to elaborate on that. Um, I think we've made a big turnaround, um, especially in the in the proportion section. Like we've yeah. we've really changed. You know, his midsection got so much smaller. Um, the width on your shoulder, your, like your shoulder hip ratio changed. Um, and then we just... Hamstrings. Yeah, we conditioned you very differently. Like, you know, the way that you would look for muscle model would be very different to what you would look like for an IPV show. Well, let, let's show. elaborate some of those changes mm. that you tried to make, you know, obviously going from muscle to yeah. classic. So, Jesse, usually um, bodybuilders are very stiff. You know, like they don't have trunk, trunk rotation. They, um, their transverse abdominus is not very strong. They, they like to pull a, something like a vacuum is quite hard for most people. And it's like you, 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 you start to get structural stiffness, like the, your spinular muscles around your spine and stuff just get hard and you, you don't move as well. Mm. So we concentrate on that a lot. So we try to get Dil very athletic. You know, um, he even went for some Pilates classes and stuff to just really work on that a, a lot with um, a lady that I use a lot, Michelle. Um, and then obviously Dil coming from a background where he's never done bodybuilding posing, we had to teach him that. And that in itself is a, is a big art, you know, like for somebody to, to learn that from scratch and then go into a show and then win a pro card. I think that, you know, that is pretty miraculous. But um, yeah, we, we try to fix imbalances. So the, the posterior chain, probably we, like we worked a lot on like glutes, hammies, that kind of stuff. If you look, look at a bumstead or a Terence and stuff, the guys have, big ass glutes you know and um it's often neglected like the guys don't train that um and so now yeah. let's break that down in terms of you know improving mm. that posterior chain what kind of workouts or you know exercises within a back workout hamstring workout would you implement so because you know most people think okay well let's go squat or do hip thrusts mm -hmm. you know what kind of things you know doesn't the layman understand so i mean that is that's part of it it's it's in it's in the program um, and the way that I usually build my programs is like we were just talking about it on the way uh, here in the car is um, your more mechanic mechanical tension type of workouts or your strength type of workouts early in the week and then we have a little bit more of the pump workouts later in the week but um, I would say um, probably my two fa like favorite uh, exercises that we implemented was like Romanian deadlifts. Um, luckily, the gym where we trained at had very nice trap bars, so we could work a lot on that. And then I also like I make the guys do the girly exercises. They do the, do the hip thrusts. They do do you know those kind of things that might Backs make you feel yeah. So, for example, on a hyper extension machine, you do it with a slightly rounded back um, just to to shift the emphasis off of your lumbar onto your glutes. Um, and you can work the the most contracted part of the muscle and also the most extended part of the muscle, and then and they they do grow, and then you get the proportions. Often you get rid of the backache. You know, like so many bodybuilders, like oh, I've got backache. You know, like it, like I get so sore when I train, and it's just because of your glutes being bloody lazy and small. That was right? a big thing for me when I when I first started doing Steph's workout. My my lower back was just taking a pounding, mm. um, and that took a while to kind of ease up until we can actually activate properly into the hamstrings and the glutes. So yeah, that Steph's 100% right there. Yeah, And I think it's a lot of most people, maybe not even bodybuilders, see, you know, if they go to a physio or bike kinetic, mm. kineticist or something and they have back issues, 
it's most of the time it's because of their glutes are actually inactive and then their back might be trying to compensate and then you know there's that yeah. tension in the low back yeah so often people say you know like i want to work on my core but they don't realize that your glutes is very much part of your core like it's your, it's your lower back your abs and not just your your visible your erectus abdominis it's also the transverse the you know the corset behind it that you need to learn to brace yourself a little bit better and then your glutes and that oh. bracing is actually you should be bracing it into in so there's certain exercises where you you know work that part of your abs where you actually don't contract your abs at all yeah yeah, yeah. and you would like you would know you've got incredible abs like visibly they they are you know they they have deep relief if they but they're strong. weak they're very weak. Oh, they're weak they're very weak <laughs> i don't do any abs i'll be dead honest okay. so just for sure yeah just, just for sure <laughs> interesting um so yeah like i think i think it's probably something that most athletes can work on a lot more like having having a stronger midsection is is going to really benefit you in so much uh, so many ways especially on the stage on stage a huge difference is keeping your midsection and previously i would struggle to Mm. Um, keep it tight, you know. Use gas, and first thing that goes is your your belly. Um, by focusing a lot more on my training transverse and doing the Pilates, I was able to keep my keep my waist in the whole time on stage without looking gassed or like I was even it was even much of an effort. Just almost feels a bit natural. Yeah, and you know you've obviously worked with other coaches, and not this isn't something that you particularly you know yourself might have done but you know there's a lot of athletes that just hop from coach to coach to coach to coach hoping that they will then find this magic formula with a certain coach and with a different coach and obviously you also need to know you know you gravitate to a coach that relate that you relate to better and you relate to a coach that you know works in terms of your body and your body type so obviously that's what you've now done with Steph and you found someone that works well with you yeah and works well not just on, you know, here's a diet, here's a training plan, go do it. You know, it's actually going to the science of it. 100%. How, you know, has that been with other coaches compared to Steph now? Because, I mean, you've obviously thrown around a lot of terms now that a coach in the industry might not even understand. Well, I don't, I don't like doing that. Like, my ethos is always um, to be a little bit like what Einstein used to say. Like, if, if you... If you truly understand quantum mechanics, you can explain it to the bar lady. And when I when I talk science, I want to be able to to talk in a way that anybody can understand. Um, yes, when you go and talk to a, a endocrinologist or something like you can throw the Latin around, but you know, if you can't explain something simply, then do you really understand it? That's just the way that I yeah. kind of think about stuff. So, but also how you've worked with Dill, I assume, is obviously not just giving the terminology but also i mean you obviously with pt background and working with clients yeah, and working with everyone you do have a great understanding of it 100 so also all that helps me as well so i have a question every question i have steph um answers in depth so that i fully understand it not just go okay just some a big big words thrown around yeah so i think that's also made a big difference actually understand why we're doing what we're doing and it also shows that you know you're a coach, qualified coach, but you still need someone else. You still need that extra bit of guidance. Because I mean, even if you now, you know, had to go step on stage again, you would still seek guidance from someone else. My partner Craig is is the guy that I would um, use to coach me, um, and it's it's more like I feel like you just need um, somebody that's not have like doesn't have a diet brain. That's the big issue. Like yeah. you start to doubt yourself. Hundred percent. Want to try this, try that, change this. 
and then you, then you just end up spoiling yeah. the broth. And you doing that yourself? Have you done preps by yourself where you almost overthink and then do things differently? I've done pre- I've done one prep with a um, another coach years ago, um, and he just kind of left me be type of thing. Didn't was slowly communicating, so he kind of left me to kind of mess around and do my own thing. And I think that's a problem when you look so good and you do have an understanding of it, that coach might just assume he's sorted. Yeah, exactly that. And I think that's when you try and you go, "Mm, let's try this, let's try a bit of that, let's let's take this. And then it just just throws everything off. So now that transition from muscle to classic, how, how long was that time period? Did you do shows in between? So my last show was 2019 in Australia. Yeah, 2019 in Australia. WBFF as WBFF, well. WBFF, yeah. Got second there. And then we were supposed to, I was actually about a week or two out from leaving for LA to do um, another pro WFF pro show there in, in Long Beach. Um, and two weeks before the whole COVID thing happened, so that show didn't, 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 didn't end up happening. Um, I think I'm, I'm glad it didn't. Uh, come to think of it now, I wasn't really going to be ready for that one. Um, and then yeah, then I just trained throughout COVID, um, throughout the lockdown, and always had this um, idea of do, potentially do, doing an NPC show and going for the uh, the pro card. Um, didn't quite think it would happen at this show, but yeah, I'm glad it did. And what got you into competing in the first place? You know, obviously I know you you're a big swimmer, Pretoria boys actually quite a funny story. I was actually told Steph this at dinner the other night. Um, when I was in nursery, in nursery school and we did like this whole graduation thing, um, so I was five or six, and everyone everyone gets a turn and they go, okay, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they will say they're firemen and doctors and whatever. And at the age of five or six or whatever old I was, I stood up there and I flexed my biceps and I said, I'm going to be a bodybuilder. And yeah, I was just, that's what happened. And there's not many people that can look back, you know, maybe someone, I want to be a doctor, they become a doctor, but I wanted to own a sweet shop. I don't own a sweet shop. Yeah. So there's not many people that actually bought that and, you know, realized yeah, and, and bought and, into and fruition. And for years, I actually didn't, didn't even think of that. I was actually reminded that a couple of years ago. Um, I was a swimmer in my mind, I was, that's what I was going to do. And then I was going to get into swimming coaching and it was all headed to swimming. And then um, I got to matric and I looked at myself and I'm like, and I was training hard. I was putting in proper hours. I think that's also what, when I started bodybuilding, I was like, this training's quite easy and relative to the hours that I was putting in. I think I was training five, six hours a day, mad, mad hours. Sure. Um, and I just lost the, the love for it, for swimming. Um, and then I looked at my physique and the training that I was putting in, my times were getting slower. People were, that were slower than me were catching me. And I looked at my physique and I'm like, I'm not built for this. This is not, not what I'm meant to be. Um, and then I got, got in the gym and that was that. And I think in my first year, I put on like 20 kilos of muscle. And that was that. Sure. That's genetics. Yeah. Right well, let's, yeah. let's talk about that genetics. As you mentioned it, you know, people think that they could train hard, even juice themselves to the gills, and they can become this amazing bodybuilder. And I think that's also a misconception with, you know, the layman when they look at someone that takes steroids is this person is only there because of the juice or because of whatever substance they take or even some people think it's because of the creatine, you know, and, you know, genetics are as big a factor in bodybuilding as they are in sprinting, as they are in basketball, as they are in anything, 
And, you know, you've obviously been fortunate enough to work with many, you know, people with amazing genetics. And, you know, how is it as a coach? Mm-hmm. I can I'll just ask both of you this because you both obviously prep people. You know, with that, someone comes to you and say, I want to be a bodybuilder. Like, how is that conversation with someone? You can look at them and be like, well, actually, you just don't have what it takes. Yeah. It's tough. So, I mean, it is tough. But I see bodybuilding more um, like I would see any weekend warrior type of sport initially. Like, um, if somebody says they want to do mountain biking, nobody would say, like, you don't have it in you. Mm. Um, you can do it if you want. You can you can play golf. Like, you can go and play a, gol- a round of golf on Sunday. Um, well, does everyone have the ability to become a Tiger Woods or, you know, that kind of caliber of player? No, they don't. But it doesn't stop you from being a bodybuilder. Bodybuilder is anyone that wants to change their physique to, for the better. Um well, bodybuilding essentially can be looked as a lifestyle. It's a, it's a lifestyle. More than how good or how yeah, big you are. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it, nowhere does it say that there is a contest, um, you know, aspect to it. It's just how we, we kind of define it, I think. Um, and genetics also has a very big mental component to it for me. Whereas, like, sometimes I would look at somebody and they're like, they are genetically gifted. They do just have, like, really swollen muscle bellies. They can, there's a lot of fluid in there. They, they look big. They've got small joints. But they don't have um, the perseverance. They don't have the stamina. They, don't, they, don't, they can't say to themselves, like, I don't feel motivated today, but I'm going to do it anyway. Mm. So genetics for me, often you can get somebody who's physically you know, gifted, but they don't have the mind. And then you you have somebody that, um, like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say Jay Cutler is somebody that is not gifted, like, obviously he's very much, but if you compare him to a Ronnie, he, he doesn't have the same genetics, but that guy's mind is something else. And I think it's, I think it's very much, um, you know, it becomes apparent when you coach someone that this person has the brain for it and this person doesn't. And that will be the limiting factor for me more than anything else is can they, you know, talk themselves into yeah. doing something. Well, Do, has your mind, you know, in this journey of yours ever come to a point like, yo, maybe actually this isn't for me, I was going to go see his COVID happened. Like, was there ever a time where your mind kind of was the reason why you weren't progressing? No. Never? Never once. No. Never once did I think that I was, that I was done. I was always, I think a lot of people have said to me, like, oh, he's back. And no, I never went anywhere. I was... I was working hard from my last show in 20, 2019 till now. I was training. Maybe I wasn't wasn't posting much, and I was staying, mm. as Steph said, like you know, um, out of the lights. But no, I was training hard, and I've never really. It's part of my life. Like it's 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 hard to not train. I just wake up and I just do it. Mm. It's not. Like, oh, should I should have to go train now and suck myself up. I just no. It's okay. It's time. I need to go train. I was ten training time. Just do it, and I think there's a lot of people starting out that think you know you can get away with skipping a session, or you can skip away with, or you can get away with skipping a meal, or like it's bodyboarding to be successful is as demanding as it is to you know wake up before someone else and go to the basketball court or mm. go do extra hours on the field. It's as and that's unfortunate with bodyboarding is people think that it can be. You know, and once in like 12 weeks, okay, cool, I'm going to prep for a show and then I'm going to look great. 100%. That's what a lot of people do. Um, and that's where, I'm, uh, that's where I'm different. Where from show to show, I've just get back into my routine and just start training. Don't, I don't have to always train for a show. 
there's always there's always going to be an next show. It does even if I don't know what show that's going to be, I'm still working towards it. Would you say maybe that's just the level of the standards in South Africa where you know people can actually afford to only prep for twelve weeks and then do relatively well at a show? Or do you think it's just because I don't know people are weak minded and there's a smaller pool of good athletes? I think there's very people that un- that understand what it takes to get to the top level. Um, yeah, I think maybe we got some catching up to do compared to the other the other countries that actually are doing it a bit longer. I don't know. And do you think you personally have catching up to do in terms of going overseas now and competing, or what's your goals in, in terms of progressing your own physique and you know the, the steps forward, or have you formulated a plan? We do, we do have a plan. He's got he's got four kilos to gain to reach his next cap. Um, what what's the cap? You said you were ninety five. We were we had to. That's that's a whole other story. Um, it's a long story. Yeah, it's a long story. Okay, now that you're pro, you can go up in weight. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. Um, my weight cap at um, my militia was ninety three. Ninety three. Ninety three. So now we get another yeah ninety six. No, is it not ninety eight? Is ninety six? We'll double check that. We'll check, yeah. Okay. Check that. So obviously that's the goal is mm. to go on stage at yeah. the peak of your cap. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think, you know, you want to kind of ride that advantage. You want to be the person with the best proportions and the most, you know, volume on stage. Um and it's you like if you one of your clients, uh, Kieran, like the, the like he's a smaller guy, but his his proportions can um like you, he looks so much bigger than what it is because he can he can um, present himself so beautifully. Um, but on the on the flip side of that, if you if you are at the at the top of your weight cap, I think you can kind of like play both sides of the advantage. You can you can really present yourself in a very nice way, but you can also be very overpowering. You can be the biggest guy in the lineup, you know. So you do. You do have a lot of physical presence then. And you do you see like if do you look at Seabum and find motivation in him, or do you look at Seabum and be like, that's my rival? It's weird. So leading up to the comp, absolutely is like I was watch his I was watching his videos every day. Still do. Um but then it was more like I look up to him. Now it's that kind of sunken up like, no no. So it's becoming competition now. Mm. That's kind of how you look at it. And how and now you know being a pro being able to you know you can't compete locally anymore because obviously you superseded the standard of what you know you're able to and also because you're not allowed to compete here do you see yourself you know rubbing shoulders at this point with those other pros or do you feel like you need to obviously those three four kgs but do you think you could go on stage now and have done relatively well yeah, I think objectively. Yeah, I think look, there's definitely areas I need to uh, bring up to be on par with the top guys. What do you feel is your biggest weakness or something that you personally, you know, you need to improve on the most? Hamstrings and glutes. Yeah, definitely hammies and glutes, which we, I think we've this year we've um, brought them up a hell of a lot. I'm, I'm very proud of how we brought mm. them up. Um, so I think another six months, they'll they'll be they'll be on par. And Steph, you know. You've obviously also worked with people that have on international standard, and those principles. Do you see that, like the principles that you're using with your athletes and what you've done with Dill? 
is you know on it obviously it is on an international level because you've created and helped an international athlete become an international athlete but you know do you see coaches of today even our top coaches doing things that maybe you know things of the past that maybe need to be improved on it's an interesting interesting topic so on the way here we were talking about um talent pool so we've got a big population um socioeconomically we don't have a lot of people that can afford you know the whole sport mm. any sport is expensive apart from maybe road running maybe that's not that that expensive but if you were a cyclist or a golfer anything it's really really expensive to do a, a sport properly and bodybuilding is no different it is expensive and not a lot of people have access to it like i think like i have to take a wild guess there's maybe 2000 people in the whole country that's in the in the bodybuilding scene it's not it's not big and 10 of those athletes are even decent <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like really good and and the, and the tough thing is if you go to a place like um the like england where i live um the population is about the same but economically people are so much more empowered like like you go show to show to show and it's completely new faces so i wouldn't say it's like we don't have the same quality we just have a, a lot less people so you, you have to be so much better to be able to stand out um well that sounds counter counterintuitive but what i what i mean is there is a lot of people so some are going to rise to the top you know very quickly whereas we like proportionally we probably have a 50th of the amount of people that compete so um i'm a i'm an evidence based coach i went and i studied and that kind of stuff so the way that i that i um approach both training and nutrition and pharmacology is a bit more modernized um i wouldn't say that all the stuff that the bros did is dumb or wrong or anything a lot of it is right and you know a lot of science is is kind of like derived from there but there is a lot of stuff that south africans do that i think is just you know like they all learned from one kind of master and they all perpetuate the same kind of methods i think that might be it is you know you see someone doing something mm. you kind of understand it but you don't completely understand the science behind mm. it so you tell you tell someone to do it but you you know you have understand yeah. the physi- physiology of the human yeah. body and understand how certain things work with the body yeah. whereas other people have kind of just seen kind of okay that works that doesn't work let's do that let's not do that but not really understanding the root of the reason of why it's working or not working there's a there's a very cool little tale um when chad was um coaching ronnie he would like chad chad is a food technologist so he worked you know like he worked in in food factories that kind of stuff and chad would send ronnie to go and buy loads and loads of app, tin tin apples so ronnie would walk into the hotels where they do the shows and um he would he would carry this apples in all the other guys would say like oh you know Ronnie's Ronnie's eating apples so they all go and buy the tinned apples they chow the apples and they all get like the stain of guts because you know the fructose just fucks them up and what Chad is, did is he he knew then that it was cyclic dextrin the syrup so he made Ron drink the syrup and chuck away chuck away the apples so there is there is those things where um you know there's folklore like people see like oh you know like you need you need to drink uh, distilled water you need to do this but why do you do it um what does it do for you you know physically like like does it 
waste sodium? Does it like do you rise potassium? What what are you trying to do with that? So I think having an understanding of why you do what is very important as a coach because you you could not know and then do something and it does work but you don't know why you're doing it and then when variables change what do you do then? You know, like now suddenly you don't have potatoes. So does that same trick still work? So I think having having a good or at least a base level of scientific knowledge um, definitely helps. Definitely helps. Well, Dill, moving away from the scientific knowledge, because obviously there's a lot of youngsters that look up to you, obviously now turning pro as well. There's a lot of up-and-comers that will now look at you more and you know want to be like you or want to be a bodybuilder professional so you back when you were studying when you were you know 19 20 or whatever how what were you eating you know to try put on mass because like there's people that would say like they were just eating pilchards by the cans you know obviously but because i mean every coach gets those clients where they come to them and say you know what can i eat that's really cheap is it yeah. two minute noodle what were you chowing you know back in the day so when i started properly like eating and training like a bodybuilder's in a trick um, and I was in boarding school, so it wasn't very easy. But I had a um, big snack machine uh, that I used to cook my chicken breasts on quickly during break. Um, I used to heat up those sachets of rice um, and yeah, tuna. Um, it's stuck with basics. I ate a lot of calories. At the time, I didn't really count calories. Um, but yeah, I ate a lot of the basics, um, trained really hard. Maybe a bit too hard, probably overtraining. Um, but I think we all do that in the beginning. Um, and then just the main thing is being consistent. Um, I think that's that's the big thing. I've never come off diet or anything like that. It's just kind of it's how I live. It's, a, it's the same as my training. It's how I live. So it's just consistency at what I do it at that makes the big difference. There's no take a month off here or two months. It's just week in, week out. So it's the biggest thing you would give advice to youngsters. Consistency. And it doesn't mean, you know, blasting, going all out, like you prepping. Not that at all. Find a routine that you can stick to um, and stick to it. Just be consistent at it. Mm. I find 80% are the, the guys who rise to the top. So I have a lot of clients who are balls to the walls kind of people. They absolutely gun it. They give it their all. But they push so hard that they burn out. And if you if you think about that fable of the the tortoise and the hare, you know it is the the ones that are consistent that keep going over time. They are going to be the winners. Whereas if you you absolutely gun it, um, there's going to be points where you just have to stop a little bit and like take take a break. So yeah. I do think you know. And I've seen I've seen a lot of um, great physiques um, in the country that 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 it's happened to where they've just they come out of nowhere and then. Just as quick as they popped up, they disappear. Mm. They just burn out. Just don't stick through. And they have all the potential to get to the tops. How have you navigated that burnout? Because, I mean, everybody that trains, I think the most difficult thing is those rest days, all those time periods where, okay, it's a, I need to deload a little bit now. You know, How have you kind of got your mind around that? Around that? The rest is part of the program. Yeah, it's part of it. It's just, be, I mean, the same way dieting is part of the program, rest is part of the program. Yeah. And if it's something you have to do, you do it. Yeah. yeah. I think also... I think listening to the listening to the body is always important, um, and also investing a little bit. You know, we we spend thousands on supplements, on gear, on diet, and all these other things, but we don't look at 
looking after your well-being like into, and actually recovering. So I've invested a lot more into my training recovery. I go, I do a weekly sports massage, weekly chiropractor leading up to towards comp. Um, so everything just feels good when I train. And that's made a big difference as well. Actually just taking taking it the extra step. And how often do you stretch and, you know? Um, not as much as I would like to. Um, as a trainer, I'm, I'm back to back. I started five in the morning. The only, the only gap I, I get is an hour and a half in the afternoon to train and then I'm back at, the, back at my work and then I finish around seven, eight, depending. Um, so you know, I don't stretch as much as I would like to, um, but I do make a point on, on every Sunday to do like a full full body stretch, foam roll, release anything that's giving me any issues. But also with the sports massage, they also loosen up exactly, any tightness. Yeah. It, it helps me a lot there as well. Is that something you as a coach advocate? Because obviously, I mean, obviously you don't just work with top tier professional yeah. athletes. You also work with, you know, your people that maybe train three, four times a week, if that. Yeah, true. You know, how much is of it is trying to work with the person and say, okay, you're not trying to look like dull. Yeah. You're just trying to improve yourself. How do you navigate that? So what what I would do is think about what where this person would be able to to maximize the amount of time that they want to invest in this. Um, if you if you want to change your physique and you have five hours a week, um, where are you going to put the most eggs in what basket, you know? So in, in most people's situation, I would rather make sure that they cha- train very full range of motion, um, in which case they would have a fairly good functional stretch anyway. So if you, if you focus on, um, you know, learning how to do your compounds properly that's very functional and you're very you know, like you do have a full range of motion so the muscle does get um a fully extended and a fully contracted um you know workout so i wouldn't necessarily say to people like if you only have five hours a week go and spend most of it on sports massage and stretching like if at the at those level yes absolutely um, I would make sure that mobility is a big thing for them. And mobility doesn't mean you go for a massage and somebody else uh, rubs your knots out. Like like a Michelle Pilate session type of thing where your body can move functionally. Like you, you work yeah. the whole day sitting like this. You know, like is this shoulder of yours not starting to give you an issue? Um, f- fix those kind of things if you're a lifestyle person um, or if, you, if you're a starter outer. And then as you progress you're going to have to start doing stuff that most people don't do. So at those level, yeah, you're going to have to you're going to have to spend a lot of time on extras on your ancillaries where um your starter outers won't do that. So does that kind of answer your question? Yeah. Dil, you're a married man recently. Congrats on that. Thank you. You know, obviously, you know, your wife's a very healthy lady. She obviously, I mean, you can see by the way she looks that she obviously does, you know, eat very clean. But how has it been, you know, with you know, your work schedule and then your training schedule, you know, navigating a, a newly found marriage and time, you know, spending time together, her understanding, you understanding her time, you know, how has that been, you know, obviously not because as a professional, you do need to kind of take a few more steps to, you know, improve. Yeah, and, and we work together now as well. Okay. So yeah, even more. Um which might help a little bit in terms of time spending together. It actually does. We actually we find the the more time we spend together, the the the, the better the better we get along. But if we start spending too much time apart, then yeah, we just yeah, 
Yeah. Well, the, the, you, when you spend time away from each other, there's less communication. Yeah. Things do arise. Um, so, yeah, I actually quite enjoy working with her. Um, and I'm very, very blessed and um, very fortunate that she understands what I'm doing. She understands the sport and she backs me 110%. Um, she gets just as invested into the preps as I do, if not more. Um, so yeah, I'm very, very blessed with that. Um, and I guess from, from the get-go, when we first started dating, I think I was, I competed about a month or two just after, just after we got together. Um, and I kind of told her from the start, I mean, this is who I am, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to change. So I think she also understood that, you know, she's what she's getting herself into. So I think that's also also helped her quite a bit. I think any successful person has a partner that understands and supports because, you know, you need that support. You need a partner to understand your time restrictions, your diet restrictions, 100%. especially with competing. It's the, definitely the thing that has the most diet restrictions. Yeah. And, you know, we've all been in relationships where, oh, why can't we go on a date tonight? Or why can't we do this tonight? Or why can't yeah. we eat this? And that's what's difficult with bodybuilding. With, whereas with other sports, you can have more leeway in terms of going out and doing those things. But with bodybuilding, it's sleep is a priority. I can't stay up too late and party or whatever. And obviously not drink, not eat certain things. And that's obviously difficult it's with anyone that is competing and that has a relationship and a partner who might not 100% be doing that same thing. And you just need that understanding where, you know, it's the same as a businessman. If you are hustling 24-7 on your business and you have a partner that supports you, you need that same partner if you're being a bodybuilder. 100%. Yeah, any successful person need that and anyone who rises to the top work relentlessly. Um, I, I read an a article written by Elon Musk's first wife and she explained like, like to be a self-made billionaire, what that takes, like... You know, the, the guy literally slept on the couch in his office for months. Um, I don't think that you rise to the top in anything without doing, you know, the stuff that other people won't do. So, yes, bodybuilding like that can be difficult. Like, I think I think it depends on the level as well. So, um, a golfer who plays on the weekends, like, he doesn't need to do the same stuff that um, Tiger would do. Um, so... If you if you are not that serious about it to make it a career like Dil who is a pro, um, you can go to concerts with your wife. You can go to dinner. You know, like it's like like calories is calories. Like if if you understand the unit of energy in a calorie, um, you can eat anything. But it's not something that like you have to graduate to that. Like when you are when you are starting out, you are not going to do that properly. You are definitely going to screw it up. Um, but when you've been doing it for 25 years, uh, you can go to the movies and have popcorn and just skip some other meals and you know how to kind of compensate for that. Um, I don't think you can do that at a very high level. You can't do it as a professional athlete preparing for a show. Um, but missing a few hours of sleep when you are kind of like a mid-level provincial um, competitor uh, is not going to make that big of a difference. It's going to make a really massive difference for somebody like him who wants to win, you know, thousand dollars at the at the next pro show so yeah there's levels and Dil, some of those you know sacrifices that you 
maybe starting out weren't sacrificing you know what's some of the biggest mistakes that you made you know starting out there maybe someone watching this could maybe say okay well i'm actually currently making those mistakes i need to fix it if i'm you know going to be serious about this sure <laughs> if you can think of it good question um he makes no mistakes <laughs> <laughs> now you don't you might have initially even if it's, it was initially inconsistency or um no i wouldn't say inconsistent like i said consistency is probably my strongest attribute um Don't even know what to say. Okay, so it was it was never like you know at, at, at an early stage in your career you maybe you know were willing to go out and have a few drinks and you know see that's never been me Jesse. I okay. think like I never had the when I was in you know grade eleven, grade twelve that whole party thing. I never enjoyed that. That wasn't me. Like I felt that's not that's not where I wanted to be. Even in my trick, I was like I need to eat. You know, going to H two O and going to running to the car and getting my Getting mm. my meals from the from the card H two O like that's what I've always done. So I never really made those um, those mistakes. And like post show rebounds, did you ever yeah, go through I, that? Hundred percent. That that's that's a good one. I think my first show. I think I think we've all had that for our first show. Definitely a proper post uh, post show rebound. Um, and then you know, maybe maybe at that one point a bit of burnout. I think for that first show, I kind of gave it everything, and then I kind of just wasn't um mentally prepared for that post comp blues that, that we all go through now obviously a little bit older and wiser you kind of just and it's also nice a lifestyle so cool comp's done and you start working on the next one mm. um so, so to avoid that post show rebound you know what do to avoid that that post show rebound i think focus on what's next don't okay cool show's done feed up let's chill I've I've always done it where when I say always the last few years. Um worked on what okay, what's on my next step before the show's even done. What what show am I gonna do next? And that's always been even with this last muscle militia, we had a plan what was gonna be next. And we already that was in the in the in the in the plan. And as soon as that you know, we got the pro card, okay, cool, let's change this is this is our, our focus now. So it was mm. never okay, cool, they'll take the week off, let's chill and we'll just chat and see mm that's what we're gonna do. I think I, I'm also. I don't take that shit really. Um, I don't. I hate it when my clients do that. And they like go and pick up 16 kilos of. They all think it's muscle, but it is fat. Um, so we talk about it, and it, it's a chosen lifestyle. Like, like if if you go in with the mindset of like I'm not allowed to do this, I'm not allowed to eat, you know, a donut and that kind of stuff. Um, you become deprived, and when you stop, when you yeah. finish the show, you're gonna feel deprived, and you're gonna try and catch up. So if you go into it with the mindset of like, this is, this is what I want to do. This is the life I chose for myself. Um, I don't want to eat Smarties so that I can become a pro. Then when it's, you know, after the show, then your next goal needs to be lined up. And, and it doesn't have to be a show. Then the next goal could be like, my lats wasn't big enough. Yeah. What do I need to do? My, like I need to get my lats bigger. So that could be your next goal. So any any person who is kind of like a, like when I say professional it means anyone who's successful at anything like business, uh, photography, whatever. Like you you're gonna find your next um, place of development and start working on that. If you're gonna be a twelve week prepper and then for this, the rest of the year you like float around, you are never gonna get anywhere. You're gonna have slow progress. Um, 
So it is. It's a consistency thing. Like when you've done with you, when you're done, you have to focus on the next thing. I think it's also not having that victim mentality where it's like, oh, I'm not allowed, as you say, smarties. Or I'm not allowed a donut. You I'm chose not, this. Yeah, you chose this. Oh, so Elon Musk isn't saying, oh, I'm not allowed to sleep. I have yeah. to work and make money. Oh, I'm not allowed to do this. Oh, I'm not allowed to go and chill with my friends on the weekend. I have to play golf. Like, if you want to be a professional golfer, if you want to be a yeah. great businessman, you, know you can't have for. a victim mentality. If you want to be a great bodybuilder, you can't say, oh, guys, I can't have a burger tonight. Yeah. Like, well, oh, life I've got to sucks. Go do I've got to go. It's the same as bringing you back to my point. Oh, I've got to go train. I understood that. I'm like, it's not it's like you wake up, you brush your teeth, wake up, go to train my clients, pre-workout time, training same time every day. It's just part of it. Don't put too much thought into it. And that's also where good, having a good routine helps. And I think um, maybe that's back to your question on um, what I would have done differently. Is I've always been very, uh, been very routine-based, but for this prep, even more so. It's literally Monday to Sunday was just set routine, and that, that really helps me a lot. And it's not just at this time I'm training, it's at this time I wake up, at this time I oh eat, yeah, at this same. time I brush my teeth, at this time I leave the house, at this time i got this client, at this time exactly. I've got this hour break, what can I do to further my career within that break, what can I do, and everything is set and, and out. I, and I won't let anything throw me off that my, my, my routine, nothing. And that, that's I, what you I also, as coaches, all three of us, you know, I'm going away this weekend, I can't get all my meals in, what should I do? I'll be like, well... You get your meals in, bro. <laughs> on, on that note, when when just as we did our first calorie uh, calorie drop for this last show, I already committed to um, a wedding that I'd been invited to in, in the Kruger. It was like two nights, and two nights. Uh, that's the week uh, coach does the the big calorie drop. But every single one of my meals prepped and ready. Left the wedding extra early on Sunday so I could get my workout in without missing anything but the entire weekend I didn't go off routine once got all my workouts in before and after whatever um, every meal was packed weighed ready before and, and I think those are the, the if you want to have a bit of a balance to it those, those are the sacrifices you have to make away yeah well I mean I obviously have never been on your level but when I was in matric when I went on VAC I didn't touch a sip of alcohol I didn't even cheat when I was on VAC I still stuck to my diet when I was in matric dance I took my own food when I was riding prelims I used to go and eat my hake in between math tests I trained every single day of matric VAC no exactly woke up did my cardio and back did my normal session I was, I was with Mania on VAC and you actually coached Mania for VAC yes when we yeah. went together yes so yeah. you obviously you mentioned compounds a lot mm. and you know, that full range of motion. If you, you know, in closing, what, like your three most fundamental workouts, if someone, you know, has limited equipment, mm. you know, what would you say the three most valuable exercises would be? Okay, it's, it's an interesting question. And I think it would, evidence-based people use this phrase too much. Like, it, it depends. It, it used to annoy me terribly, but it does. Um, if your goal is to, gain strength is it if it's to be functionally strong like you know to be good for life you don't need to do uh kettlebell throw rounds and, and funny stuff like a good deadlift and a good barbell squat is is really fantastic for that because you do work the body in a way that you would use it often um when it comes to hypertrophy like if if my my goal is to make dill big i would rather have him train twice a week because i can stimulate muscle prognosis twice um, 
So then something like a very heavy deadlift would probably not be my um, um, you know, chosen movement because the, the fatigue would be outweighing the, the positive effects. Yes, like it's a full range of motion type of thing, but I would rather focus on something a little bit different that he could recover from quicker so that I can train him again more frequently. So it would depend. For most people, you would need to kind of like focus on your your bread and butters, which is your um, kind of like a military press, um, a deadlift, uh, kind of a pull-up. Um, push-up. Push-up. Push-ups are fantastic. Uh, uh, bench press if you, if you have the equipment to do that. And some kind of a squatting movement. If you don't have a barbell in a rack, you can do it with a dumbbell. Um, yeah, there's like, you know, that kind of trains the whole body. And the nice thing is if you, if you understand volume a little bit, you can do it more often or less often, depending on how much you exercise per training session. Um, and that would also very much depend on if the person is enhanced or not, because you can recover quicker. Um, so maybe you would be able to do it more frequently. Um, but on the flip side of that, your muscle pregnancy, if you're enhanced, also works a lot longer. So um, if you're a natural bodybuilder, you would probably you probably have to train everybody about everybody about twice a week. Whereas, um, you know, somebody who's chemically enhanced, you would probably only need to do it once a week, and it will still be fine, although it might not be optimum. So yeah, it's a difficult question that um, it will depend on the sportsman and what they are trying to do and achieve. Hypertrophy-wise, um, you know, mechanical tension makes the muscle grow. Um, so putting putting a muscle under tension, and the reps must make the muscle suffer. You know, like you must feel like fuck, I'm really suffering with this. Um, that has all the signaling for growth, and that will make you grow. So for you, two part question. What's what exercises do you really enjoy that you just you know you get those endorphins from you just feel the pump come and it's just that you know that mental stimulus that you get as well from working the muscle you know some people they just love curling because they love the feeling of their biceps pumping you know what's yours and you know what's your f- so the second part is what's your f- most strong muscle group or the exercise that you really can move the most weight definitely leg extension I've always loved my leg extensions. Um, just find it so isolated and go really heavy on it. It just feels good. Just feels good. Um, and also walking lunges as well. I feel that's a very, very natural functional, mm. functional movement. Just really enjoy throwing those in. Um, actually, quite enjoy that as a superset every now and again. And I'm feeling brave. Well, both those exercises are leg workouts, and I mean, you clearly do enjoy training legs because you've got such amazing legs, and that's that's also. When you do enjoy doing something, your body rewards you more for it. And Absolutely, it's not just yeah. your genetics that help it. It's also your mindset going into the workout and during the workouts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think previously I used to get um, quite bad anxiety before legs. I think we, we've all been there. But now I just, I just, my anxiety is much, um, much lower, much more calm. I think I'm more, when I go to gym, I've got more of a plan. So I'm not, I'm not as stressed out. I know exactly what I need to do, what what, what needs to be done, what I need to do, and that's helped a lot. Um, normally, I just kind of wing it. Um, and then your part, second part of the question, um, what what area am I strongest in? Definitely legs uh, again. 
Um, probably leg leg press, be my be my strongest. Um, yeah. And is there anything that you particularly weaken, you know, compared to other, like, is there, I don't know, for example, your deadlift weaker than, you know, yes, what you your know. squat is or yeah, whatever? So my, my, my squats and my, my, my Romanians aren't the greatest. Um, I struggle to look like a bit of a lower back um, issue, but we're working around that and we're getting that a bit stronger. Um, so I hope you're going to bring those up. So did now leg press, uh, we kind of steering away from thing that once a week and then we're actually starting to load into the squats now so get those up awesome did you guys say when the next show is or are you allowed to or you can go for that under undercover so there's there's two that we're potentially looking at um they will definitely compete this year um one is um this, the one was actually announced this week funny enough um it wasn't in the calendar when we had a look earlier and that one's in end of october in dubai and then the, the the main one that I'm gonna look at is the, in Spain, the Europa Championship, and that's in beginning of November. So that's the plan. Awesome, well, that's exciting. I look forward to. Would you Would you join him there? Yeah, of course. That I think that is that is the sort of the advantage that I have at the moment of being very centrally located. So to flip over to you to the to Europe is not that difficult for me. Um, so that that really helps a lot. And I want to I want to say something a little bit quickly, uh, just touching on what you just said, like working with a plan. That to me is is one of the most underrated things that that most bodybuilders don't do, or young South African bodybuilders. If you look at everyone who has reached any kind of success, go and look at their journals. Go and go and look at Milos or Dorian or any like they wrote down every single thing. They knew what they were doing. They they had a plan going into it, going into work and go like it's chest day. I'm gonna train until my, you know, my pecs are nice and, and pumped, and then walk out. You did nothing. I'm I'm really sorry to tell you that you looked very good for Instagram, but how do you know that you have progressively, um, you know, exceeded what you did last time? How do you know that um, you had actually had more volume this time than than your previous week? So how do you know that you grew? So it's just it's a very inaccurate. Um, kind of guesswork like that's not how no one no one starts a business not understanding what the budget is going to be um you know when you take on a running program it's you know mondays and tuesdays is three and five and then eight and on the weekends that's how you do everything you plan properly um so people need to not be reactive be proactive about your bodybuilding career awesome any final thoughts that was mine (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on. I truly appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Phil. Of course. And thanks for watching.